more far-out expectations, and cloud data security. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. The Mac Voices Live panel continues their discussions of what they would like to see at Apple's upcoming Far Out event. And then a question from a Mac Voices patron launches a discussion of cloud-based storage data security. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Um, Andrew, Andrew, you haven't answered the direct question. What I mean, what would do it for you? Uh, for the iPhone 14? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was I was going to mention before, it's, it's kind of funny. I think I might be the anomaly here because I've been thinking lately, I might get the iPhone 14, but downgrade. So right now I have the 13 Pro and I love the camera. I think it's a great device, but it's, it's just heavy. It's stainless steel. It just feels like a brick in your hand after a while. So recently I've been thinking if I do decide to upgrade to the 14, I will probably get the, just the regular 14 model. But like a uh, guy was saying before, I, I kind of agree with that other discussion. There doesn't, from what I've seen in the rumors, there doesn't seem to me to be a hugely compelling reason to upgrade. I don't think it's going to be a major shift. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm with Eric on the camera. Um, and that's always kind of a what I mean, what will can they do with the camera? Now, the rumors that the next iPhone, and I'm sorry to even bring that up, will have this periscope <laughs> lens, which gives you allegedly a whole lot more zoom capabilities, but that's way down the road. So I'll be interested to see what, you know, if if more megapixels, you know, makes a big difference and what that really brings to the table. I'm I've we've talked to photographers here on the show plenty of times. And right now Apple's been banking on the megapixels, excuse me, that the computational photography is is more important than the megapixels. But if they can increase the megapixels, things just get that much better. And what that does to video, I have no idea. So you know, I think that the camera is always a compelling thing just because you get, no matter where you are in your life, you get that one chance to take that one picture and you get it because you have a phone with you. So therefore you want the best phone, best photo you can get there for the best camera, therefore a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, yep. David, I know you said, or, or, excuse me, Webb, you were, you were going to jump in and then I want to go to David. Oh, just a couple of things. Uh, we were talking about innovation. Is anybody, uh, because it's not rumored to be in the 14, but uh, the the folding screen phone, does anybody think that, is that an innovative enough reason for anyone if there was a, an iPhone that had that flip screen? Or is it just, uh, my yeah. thinking is that it could be nice, but uh, I'm more interested in the resolution of the screen than, than maybe stepping down to have something that flips open. Um, plus, I got an iPad. So, but I was just wondering, is getting back to Guy's question, it, 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 that's the only compelling innovative thing I've seen recently on, on cell phones is the, the, the folding screen. I wasn't sure if anyone else had an opinion on that. 
I'm, yeah. I'm going to jump in. Well, go, go, David. Then I'll tell you my tell my story. Go ahead. Um, I still am not convinced that the foldable phones is there yet, and I'm I, I have this feeling Apple feels that same way. Um, I just think the technology is too it's too new. You saw what happened when Samsung came out with the first model, and it continued to break and was pulled off the market pretty quickly. They've got new models out there now, but it's got awful expensive. You're paying two thousand dollars for a phone, which is absolutely ludicrous. I just I agree. don't. I mean, why would you want to do that? And 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 you still see the seam. I mean, yeah, it, it folds out. I think Apple wants is obviously wants to work with 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 a manufacturer with the, for screens. They want we know how Apple is in design. We don't have to go over that. And the screen he wants they want that screen to be flush, but when it folds, it folds fine. But when it comes back, it's it's still you don't even notice that that fold. So I think it's a long way if if Apple even considers it because no other other manufacturers besides Samsung have even explored it that I that I recall. Uh, it's a solution in search for problem. Exactly. That people want a smaller phone, but a bigger screen. And that's really what it is. Uh, and I just don't see it being something that, that, that Apple is going to be looking at any time soon. They could be, it could be in the design team's hands right now and they could be looking at it, but I think we got a long way off. Okay. So let me, well, first of all, Rich uh, in the chat room had brought up uh, the idea of a foldable a little earlier and yeah. we had done a, a, a big chunk of a, of a, I guess, a week ago, two weeks ago, Mac Voices Live, where we talked foldables. And that's not in the feeds yet. So if you weren't here live, you haven't heard that discussion yet. Yeah. Um, but this week, uh, or last week now as we record this, um, I was in Las Vegas. And for the first time that I recall, I think I saw foldable phones in the wild like three times with people holding them up and taking pictures. And so I, I stopped two of the people, which you can do in Vegas because anywhere else you'd probably, they probably think you're strange. In only Vegas. in Vegas. Yeah. Only in <laughs> Vegas, you can get away with it. And I asked them about it and they were like, yeah, you know, it was something new and I wanted to try it. And I like having a little bit bigger screen when I want it. Um, but they, they have to unfold the phone to use the big screen. That's the first thing. But the second thing that struck me is, all three of them, because the third one, I was looking over someone's shoulder. All three of them had that noticeable line at the fold yeah. on the screen. Now, the other thing, though, that hit me, um, I walked into a bar and they had, you know, one of the like the big multi-screen screens where you have four monitors, you know, that have just that much space between them. Mm -hmm. And they're packed in so that you've got, you know, big, one big screen, but but four screens are making that up they have those lines ever since that trend started that's always annoyed me i mean i get the idea that you want the the huge image but i'm 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 having my image bisected in at least one if not two different ways and i looked at this this the screen on these phones and thought i don't you know it's annoying enough on tv i don't want it on my phone the other thing that was interesting and i happen to have an iPad mini here. And I, I'd say it's eh, roughly the about the size maybe of one of these things open. But you can you can hold an iPad mini up like this. These phones, I don't think you could I didn't have my hands on them. I don't think you could hold it up though like this because it folds. And so yeah. you know if you, you don't have a yeah like so if <laughs> right so if you don't have your hands on you know on this thing and making it stable you have a chance of it folding and of course when it folds you're going to lose your grip and it's going to hit hit the floor and then you're going to have a bill to pay so i don't know 
and and I again I should have asked I didn't but I don't think any of these screens locked into place at least if they did it wasn't obvious or they weren't using them that way. I don't recall seeing that, but maybe it does. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So I think there are a lot of questions that that I would want answered about a foldable phone before I would go into it. Um, but but especially the idea that okay, my phone, my uh, yeah, my phone is ringing. So now I've got it. I can't just slide or look at it to open it or whatever. You know, now I've got to unfold it and then have it do whatever it's going to do to let me access it. That just doesn't seem to work. At least not for me. I don't know. Any Anybody have any thoughts or, or reactions to those descriptions? Well, again, I agree with Guy that it could be a, a problem looking for a solution. Um, or the other way around, I guess I should say. Um, um, it's, um, like I said, the, 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 I went down this path because it was, what are we seeing that's innovative in the phone space? And that's really the only thing that I've seen in the last couple of years. And I agree with David that, uh, it, it really was, uh, when Samsung came out at first, it was a failure. It was just an absolute failure and they pulled it off and now they're trying it again. Um, I, I'm not looking forward to it. I think it's interesting technology. Maybe if it, they get some of these other bugs worked out, it can be okay. But uh, yeah, it, it's it, it, like I said, it's the only innovative thing I've seen in the space. Okay. Anything else anybody wants to add to what what might make a C uh, or want an iPhone 14 next week? Or have we, I think we've exhausted that. So um, chat room, if there's anything you can think of, let us know. Um, and, and I'd be real interested, folks uh, that are listening to this after the fact or in the chat room, what your reactions are to, you know, the comments I had about the foldable phone. Um, because I think it, it's something that feels like if and when the technology can get there, it'll be great, but it's going to be a big power suck. It's going to be expensive. And, you know, are we ready to do that when we're already talking about the the fourteen, the iPhone 14 being an extra $100 is what the rumor is. We'll see. Right. I'm surprised it's only 100 yeah, good good point, guy. Um, have a couple things that um some of our listeners um sent in. But this one I want to throw in um because it sort of is a, a two-pronged thing. Um, this is a story uh about um LastPass being hacked. And I gotta find the comments um that were included in this part. Um so what happened here? First of all, let's be clear: if you're a LastPass user, I don't. There's they don't seem to be alarmed. You don't seem to have to worry about it because what was stolen was some of their source code. Not they weren't hacked in the sense of you know getting access to anyone's passwords. So you know there's that. I guess worries me a little bit that they were able to get hacked, but that's another discussion. But it triggered uh, one one listener saying: once you use a cloud service, the data will be un. Once you use a cloud service, that data will be under constant attack. Can we avoid putting our data in those services nowadays? And that includes iCloud, Dropbox, Mail, Gmail, password managers. Yes. The, the, answer, the answer is yes, but how inconvenient would it be? Very. <laughs> yeah. um, we're, we, you know, we're, we, when you've got something like for example you're talking about LastPass when you've got keychain that's that's hooked in through uh iCloud where as as long as your iCloud account is active on whatever Apple devices you have you don't have to worry about 
what passwords that you've made you're so if you've got a 35 pin password for whatever website then it's it's there you don't have to memorize it you don't necessarily have to go to a subscription service like uh one password or LastPass or or any of the other ones everything is just right there through iCloud and i'm having a really really hard time convincing my wife to to turn all that on well, um yeah. she she it's and and she was an IT professional but it's 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 basically it's voodoo magic and you know she likes having her list of passwords with that are they're all different but you know they have some commonality amongst them so that she can more easily remember them. But it's, it's like, well, what if you didn't have to do that? So to, to just, just for keychain alone, I, I don't know if I would turn off iCloud and, and as so far, iCloud has been pretty rock solid on the security front for the most part. I mean, they've had their, they've had their issues, but then pretty much, all of these these cloud-based services have. And it, it really kind of comes down to we're we're kind of coming for full circle in the computing world where everything started off being kind of you know uh dumb terminals that were that was connected up to a a great big network from within your office building, and then everybody got personal computers, and now it's like, well we're going to take all that stuff that you did on your personal computer and we're going to put it in the cloud, the cloud. And that way you won't have to worry about it. And it doesn't matter what device you're on. You can just do all those same things. And it's like, so you're basically turning my phone and my iPad and my Mac into a dumb terminal. Well, sure, but let's not look at it that way. And, you know, and that's kind of where I, I think that it, it seems like, they they want to kind of steer us toward is everything is going to be on the cloud for better or okay. worse. Okay. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. If you're a fan of it, sushi is incredible. But gas station sushi, not so much. Finding the right sushi makes all the difference. The same goes for finding the right doctor. With ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you, in your network, and in your neighborhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, you're supported, and you're heard, even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi place. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. If I need a quality doctor, ZocDoc is where I go. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MacVoices. ZocDoc dot com slash Mac voices. Thanks to ZocDoc for supporting this week's Mac voices. I can, I can share this story and I'll homogenize it just a little bit, but I had a conversation late last week with someone who has been fighting that battle internally at their company. 
uh, where they and they have traditionally, and it's, it's a major, a major organization, not a Fortune 500, but a significantly large organization where they've been running things off a of mainframe. And they got a new IT manager that came in and said, yo, no, cloud, cloud's the way to go, cloud's the way to go. And the implementation was not great. Um, and it, it left a sour taste in their mouths because it, it was not implemented properly. But more importantly, they felt like they're still able to get the same information, if not better, out of, out of the mainframe than out of some of the cloud services or some of the cloud hosted services might be a better way to say it. And so, you know, it, it really, I mean, it took me back because of course that means they have to maintain the mainframe and, you know, they have all those issues where with the cloud, you just say, Hey, I want this. And somebody turns it on for you. So I, I don't know. I mean, you have to know that Apple servers, Dropbox servers, Amazon servers, they're being pounded on each and every day you know, hundreds of, of thousands, if not millions of times for somebody trying to get in. Andrew, I especially want to hear from you because, you know, you've done some security stuff in the past at, at a previous occupation, a previous job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, do we should we be overly concerned about the security of the cloud services? Or is this a case of, you know, if you go with the big boys, they, they're giving you the best protection possible? Um. I personally like a mixture of both. I I think that uh, local storage is always important. You know, you should keep a a backup of your all your data on a local device, like an extra hard drive, and maybe also on somewhere in the cloud. I do think uh, you know the cloud is has also has some uses too, like you said. I, I do like having all my files stored in iCloud and then I can access them on any device, no matter what. So for, for me personally, like if you want to go to the extreme, then only local storage is, is, will be more secure and private than the cloud. But, you know, in, in security and privacy, there's a lot of, there's always going to be trade-offs. Eric, are you doing anything that you feel nervous about having your information in the cloud? Um, not really. Uh, the, the place where I find having information in the cloud to be an issue is I'm not always in a place where I have access to the network. You know, just in the process of driving home, I will get dead spots. And as long as I'm not asking for something at a moment where there's no network, everything is fine. But somebody makes a call and says, oh, hey, you know, how do I connect to X or Y? And I need to pull it up in, you know, a key ch chain note. And I happen to be somewhere that's between signals. You know, they're just going to have to wait until I get back within signal range and can finish looking it up. Um, I, I have to admit, I really like the keychain. Um, I like cloud services. I think for instance, you know, someone with an iPhone taking pictures on vacation or something, you're just one accident away from having all of your pictures at the end of a really deep lake or at the bottom of a deep lake and, and having, um, iCloud or cloud services of any sort that take your pictures and automatically upload them 
is the difference between having all of your vacation shots and not having them. Um, you know, same with having easy access to passwords, you lose your phone um, or, you know, it has some serious accident and you have to go out and get a new phone and you connect it up, you type in your one password to link everything back together again and it sort of reconstitutes, rebuilds everything back. That's really nice. Um, I really do like local storage. So, you know, I keep a copy of my um, pictures from over the years on a drive and I have more than one of them. They're stored in more than one location. I rotate through um, um, different drives every couple of years. I don't know anybody else who does that of you know all my friends and family. So I you know I think that the at the moment the cloud is more secure for people because they're more likely to have a backup at a time than they that they need it or have access to a password at a time that they need it as opposed to the little piece of paper that you know the dog accidentally chewed up and then they're sending you know sending a reminder passwords back to themselves texting it trying to reset everything i have to admit i know people that every single time they log into whatever web service they're using they reset their password because they don't know what it is and the only thing that saves them is they have the same phone number and they're one phone vendor away from switching numbers or something, and all of a sudden everything goes away. You know, uh, or you, know, you change jobs and you no longer have your email that you used to have, and you send a password request, a password reset request, it conveniently sends it to your email and you don't have it anymore. You know, you need to get a new account. So, you know, that having it online, that makes that, it's a nice compliment to having a local password or you know, local copies of things. And for most people, I think they find it easier overall and are more likely to still have information if something happens. So. Um, yeah, David and Webb, um, ironically, the three of us are, are you know, working a similar in an industry, we have uh, we're, we're at different aspects of that industry, but we're in the same industry. Um, you know, the data in the cloud is how much of a concern is that, and how much of a concern you know to maybe make it a little even a little more timely, um, given the work from home situation. You know, where data is passing back and forth that maybe never in the past would have left uh, you know the the guarded walls of the company. Now it's, you know, it's, it's flying around through home networks and on home computers. Um, and usually that involves some kind of cloud storage. Yeah. I mean, I think most companies, you know, using OneDrive is a, is a, is a secure way of storing that data. So I don't think, I don't find it to be an issue. Um, took a lot of, a lot of uh, information security teams to over, to look and, Make sure that the, that it is a compliant type of service that's going to protect our protect our data, protect anybody, any company's data. Um, so, uh, I think Microsoft's done a very good job of of keeping that secure, and you know, following the NIST standards, which is you know the the, the security 
boards that you that most companies do follow. You know, making sure you're following along with those guidelines. Um, I can I can tell you from experience, information security teams follow that pretty close to the T on a bigger company. Uh, so it's important. Uh, I was also going to go back to uh, just real quick on on, on passwords. Um, I, we, I don't use I don't use a, a password manager at work, but of course, most of us here probably use one password. You know, with the advent of one password changing to what to one password eight, and no no more standalone uh, capabilities for a database. You know, of course, one password now promotes uh, the fact that you can that that does no need to back it up. It's always in our cloud. You always can restore it. You know, like Eric mentioned, you can you can uh, uh, go ahead and restore you, you store it really simply by signing in. But you, like you said, it's sometimes you don't have that option if you're stuck somewhere where you can't get onto the internet. Um, thankfully, micro uh, one password has done it where you can do a backup, whether it be a CSV file or their new 1PUX uh, format as a database backup for something local. They don't, they don't, they don't suggest that you have to do it, but it's there. Uh, and then of course, other password managers like LastPass and others obviously probably do it differently. But, uh, um, but, but with all these password managers going to uh, uh, application design like Electron, you know, they're, they're trying to streamline it. And I think that's really where that came into play. So you have that part of it, keeping it secure. And then I, like, like you said, Chuck, I agree. I think most companies these days are going to the cloud. They have to, I don't think there was any way of resisting it. It's just too expensive these days to have, be maintaining something local. I, mean, I remember going back, you know, 15 years ago where everything was sitting on a server and, our, our email was in Microsoft Exchange, and so, and now everything's in Office 365. It just it just makes more sense having it managed in that sense because it is secure, but it's also efficient. It's more cost effective, um, a little less overhead as far as management goes. Oh my gosh, I remember managing servers. It's it's it was never a pleasant thing to do, as well as very costly. Um. David, I you know I agree with you, and I think one thing that gets overlooked so often is that for every one of those companies that wanted to host their own email or run their own Exchange server, um, they're nuts. They, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're yeah, but they had to hire somebody that was competent to do it. That too, you know, and and there's a there's a huge expense, and and I I just jumped right over the word competent um, because right. if you get somebody that's not competent, it's almost worse. <laughs> things can go badly yeah. very and you, and you still have to have competent uh, employees that manage the mail now because now they're mailing now they're managing it through office 365 and in the, on a corporate level uh, that management can can get tricky you know everybody is using outlook in the corporate environment so outlook has changed quite a bit using uh, the cloud um no more no more a lot no more storage of emails in pst files and uh, you know everything is offline on an OST file, so, uh, so, uh, so you still have to have skilled workers in the sense that they, they still have to manage uh, the, the that, but not anywhere yeah. near as extreme as Exchange. Yeah, Web, I want yeah, to hear I, from you. I I could go on on this subject way too long, so so keep go keep a rain on me. So, uh, first of all, um, I still have a mainframe. I still got a big IBM mainframe. I'm I yeah. pay my so, license fees to ZOX every year. Ouch. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, but <laughs> and you know our industry is we're very slow to to uh, 
yes. change. I, I mentioned last time I was on the show that we were going through a, a, a migration from our um, administrative system going from one to another, and it's going to be a client server based. Uh, regarding cloud services, um, there, there's a, you're, you're right, David, there's a lot of companies and we're one of them that uh, uh, we've taken our general ledger and we've taken that out to the cloud and to a service that focuses on the cloud. Um, a, a very famous one that's worldwide and, and it's, by the way, it's worked very well for us uh, going from the, the home, well, the, the mainframe-based uh, centralized system to the distributed system. And that's worked very, very well, but you know, that's my ledger and all the financial information in, in my world. So. I'm very worried about that. The, the whole cybersecurity thing gets me whack-a-mole. You think you plug in one hole here and then something pops up over there and it's a constant deal. Uh, we, we, get, we get banged on our network daily, hourly, and from all over the planet. We get banged on from Vietnam. We get banged on from China. We get banged on from Russia and, or Eastern Bloc. We get banged on every day we got to stay on top of it um and uh, being in the insurance business we have a lot of personal financial information so this takes me to the next issue that i'm working with in my world and that is the remote worker one of the things that that i can do when i have an employee that comes into my building i can control who has access physical access to that building if i let that worker work from home that's one of the things that I'm giving up on. Um, if I have any uh, PII, personal identifiable information, that that remote worker has, and somehow that gets into the wild, you know, the 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 uh, the consumers are going to come after me. They're not going to go after the employee. So I'm having a real fight with how do I maintain that security and cybersecurity and privacy on PII with remote workers. That's that's a real big issue that we're dealing with. You can say that, that uh, you know, you can put in all kinds of different VPNs and firewalls and all that other kind of stuff. And you're right, but it's also whack-a-mole. Uh, sooner or later, somebody's going to, you know, you got to try to stay ahead of that game. So it's it's a tough, tough deal. My personal use on cloud services, um, uh, photos. Uh, I have uh, photos set up that when I take a, a picture on my iPhone, of course, it goes to iCloud, then it goes to another service, too. I just like that redundancy. Um, um, let's see. the uh, And we, we have gone from having an Exchange server in-house to going to the uh, Office 365 environment um, and doing all the email that. And you're right. It has, it has allowed me to uh, take that uh, technical resource and put it someplace else. So. Um, so that's been a really, really good move. One of the problems with 365 when we did it in-house is that we could have all, all the greatest people, but as soon as we have a server that gets a glitch on it and corrupts a database, we could. I remember one case that we were down for almost a day and a half just because email went down. Um, uh, it, it's because we use email a lot for lots of things. I'll, I'll stop there, but uh, it, it's an interesting, interesting world and a lot of uh, things that uh, uh, I was talking about just as recently as today. So, yeah, I mean, and then emails based using Azure as the backbone for, for, for Microsoft. I mean, they have, I mean, I've gone through a class on Azure basics and, and the, the, the redundancy that Microsoft has is just, it's just incredible. I mean, they've, they've, they've redundant servers all over the world. And then if one goes down, it'll get the services will get transferred to another server. 
in, in the cloud. So so I think for the most part, Microsoft's done a, a, a quality job when it comes to that. But you're right. There are going to be times where uh, uh, services get degraded. And I, I, we experience, I think we, I, I think I experience more degradation of, of services through Microsoft 365 more than anything, but uh, you, you don't normally see a, a mass outage of, of email specifically too. Teams is another one that, you know, you have to have, the, uh, you, you, you have those services as part of your package with 365 if you use it. And, you know, there have, there, it's a very bad subject I should be bringing up for Chuck, but uh, uh, Teams is just a, a way of life and and you have to, uh, Microsoft needs to do a better job with it. And they're, they're, they're I'm not defending them, but, they got a bit of ways to go. I mean, I think it was, they really jumped into it, but uh, corporate is, is really adopting teams more and more. And, and it's the same thing. I, I bring that up just based on the services, all their services do they, they're on top of it for the most part. You get, you get notifications constantly and, and you just kind of let the users know, unfortunately, you know, we've got a bit of a bit of a degradation. That's what we're experiencing at the yep. moment, whether it be email teams and anything related off. Oh, oh, it's Microsoft 365 really we call it now. Next time on Mac Voices, the panel wraps up our conversation of cloud-stored data security and whether you should or should not be overly concerned. Then we circle back to Apple's upcoming far-out event by talking about what our expectations or hopes are for the next version of the Apple Watch. That's all next time on Mac Voices. We hope to see you then. I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at BackbeatMedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at Cashfly.com.